0: our scripture lesson is taken from luke chapter four beginning at verse fourteen and reading through verse thirty luke chapter four page uh, i don't see the page oh, page one thousand one hundred eighty three page one thousand one hundred eighty three Luke chapter 4, verse 14 Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he bore witness. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up in three years and six months, and there was great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which the city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, as we prepare to come to the Lord's table and to remember Jesus, I want to do so in the light of this passage, which reminds us why Jesus came into the world. In this passage, Luke introduces us to the earthly ministry of Jesus, to the character of his ministry, and to two great themes of his earthly ministry, that he came to bring good news to the poor and that he came to be rejected, to suffer, and to die. Now, Luke does that by focusing our attention on his reception at Nazareth. It's interesting that Luke skips over the Galilean ministry of Jesus, particularly in Capernaum. Not that he's unaware of it. Uh, he makes reference to the fact that when Jesus came out of the wilderness after being tempted of the devil for 40 days, uh, that he went to Galilee and that he preached in a lot of synagogues and uh, did a lot of things. And later on, uh, he quotes Jesus as saying to his the people of Nazareth, that they want him to do what they had heard of Jesus doing in Capernaum. So uh, Luke is well aware that Nazareth isn't the first place that Jesus went to after he came out of the temptation time in the wilderness, but it still is the first event that he describes in any detail because it is a significant event in that it encapsulates these two great themes of Jesus' ministry, and so he uses it to introduce us to the themes that he will unfold in his later uh, gospel accounts. And therefore, it's also a good summary for us when we come to remember Jesus or Uh, When we are observing, as many of the churches uh, do at this time of year, uh, remembering why Jesus came into the world, his advent, his coming, uh, it's a good summary also in that regard as well. Well, Jesus uh, is described here as uh, introducing, or Luke introduces this, by describing how Jesus, when he was in his hometown, was invited to speak in the synagogue. And they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he found a passage, a passage that uh, uh, is uh, quoted here, that uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. And the poor and brokenhearted are described as those who are captives and blind and uh, who... Are oppressed. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm come, I'm come uh, to help suffering people. He uh, it doesn't limit this to those who are physically or materially poor, or uh, physically captive, or physically blind, or uh, physically oppressed, because he uses the word brokenhearted. Uh, We are also free to interpret these words uh, spiritually or metaphorically. That is, the uh, physically blind represent those who are spiritually blind. The physical uh, captives represent those who are held captive by sin. And uh, the uh, physically oppressed are those who are oppressed by the presence and power of sin, whose uh, lives have been made miserable because of sin. Jesus has come to help those who are suffering because sin has come into the world. Sin causes all kinds of problems. It causes physical blindness, and it causes spiritual blindness. It causes physical oppression and spiritual oppression. It causes uh, physical poverty and uh, material poverty and spiritual poverty. Uh, It uh, is something that Jesus is concerned about. He sums it all up by saying, I have come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord, and that is a reference to the year of Jubilee. Moses uh, made clear that every... uh, uh, seven years they were to have a time of forgiveness but then every uh, after seven sevens uh, 49 years the 50th year was the the great year of jubilee when Everything went back to the way it was supposed to be when people who were in debt were completely relieved of their debts and uh, people who had lost their property, their inheritance, that was their family inheritance, a gift from God at the time that they entered into the promised land. anybody who had lost that because of, well, laziness or bad business decisions or uh, famine uh, that... uh, and, and drought and things of that nature, anybody who had lost their property could be restored to their property. It was a time of forgiveness and a time of restoration. And of course, the year of Jubilee pointed to the fact that we all have fallen uh, into sin and into debt to God. Uh, we owe Him uh, a debt because of our sin. And we have been expelled from our inheritance, expelled from the Garden of Eden, but uh, more uh, to the point, expelled from the presence of God anywhere in the world. Uh, God always has to deal with us at a distance and through a mediator. Uh, We can't have His immediate and direct presence among us because we're sinners, but Jubilee promises a restoration. We were created in the image of God in order to... Uh, be with him, to know him, to love him, to serve him, but above all, to be with him, to enjoy him, and to live to his praise and honor and glory. And uh, the year of Jubilee says, your debts will be forgiven, your sins will be forgiven, and you will be restored. That's what Jubilee pointed to. And, And Jesus says, all that was symbolized in that year of Jubilee is now fulfilled in me. And he says, I've come to do it in the power of the Spirit. I've come to do it in the power of the Spirit of God. The the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this. And I come in fulfillment of prophecy. You know, Jesus is not some uh, local boy from Nazareth who didn't want to be a carpenter and so looked for something else to do with his life and said, you know, I think the world is ripe for a new religion. I think I'll invent a new religion. No, this was something that that God had promised a long time ago. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet, wrote this prophecy that Jesus says is now fulfilled in your hearing. He wrote it 700 years, approximately 700 years before Jesus says, now it's fulfilled. And of course, Isaiah's prophecy isn't the first prophecy of a coming Savior. Uh, The prophecies of the coming Savior go all the way back to the very beginning of history, human history, when God uh, said uh, to uh, the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her seed and your seed, and uh, you shall bruise his heel and he shall bruise your head. Uh, He's going to inflict a deadly wound upon you. Uh, God has uh, promised to act and to act through the seed of the woman, and uh, down through the ages, there were uh, many prophecies and foreshadowings of a Savior who would come, who would be Christ the Lord, the, uh, the Son of Man, the Eternal Son of God, made flesh, who came and dwelt among us. Uh, these prophecies, Jesus says, are now fulfilled. When we remember Jesus, we should remember that He came into the world... To make our lives better. To take away the effects of sin. We've all been made guilty because of our sin. We've all been made miserable because of our sin. In our natural state, we are held captive by the power of sin. He's come to break the power of sin, to remove the misery of sin, and to restore us to fellowship with God. What good news, what glorious good news he has now announced. This is what his life is all about, bringing us out of the darkness into the light, out of guilt into righteousness, out of misery into joy. That's why Jesus came into the world. But Luke also describes to us how this message was received. And he tells us that at first the people were delighted to hear this. They were delighted to hear it because there was a lot of uh, messianic hope and expectation uh, going on as Jesus began his public ministry. This was due to the fact that uh, ever since Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, announced that they would have a child, and Zechariah made clear that he had seen a vision, and that uh, uh, when John was born, he gave a prophecy concerning John how he would be the forerunner for the Christ. Well, that news had spread, and so for thirty years, people had been expecting great things, and then Jesus had gone to John the Baptist and been baptized, and John the Baptist had pointed him out and and now Jesus had done a Galilean ministry that people in Nazareth had heard about and how he had done miracles. And and so the people in Nazareth were excited. But along with their excitement, there was some skepticism. They weren't fully convinced that Jesus was all he was reported to be. They began to say to themselves isn't this Joseph's son you know he's just a local boy they're they're proud that a local boy has made a name for himself and maybe made their town a little bit more famous because it would become known that he was from Nazareth but after all he's just a Nazareth citizen like us we know his father we know his mother we we know his brothers Isn't he just uh, putting on airs a little bit? Are we supposed to uh, really consider him such a great person? And Jesus confirms the fact that they are skeptical when he says, uh, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Uh, That proverb is something that you say to a doctor when you are skeptical of his ability to heal. You know, in order for you to be healed by a doctor, you need to you need to trust the doctor. You need to entrust yourself to that doctor. You need to submit to his prescriptions and his directions and his surgeon's knife. If he's a surgeon, you, you have to uh, let him do his thing. And Otherwise, you won't be healed, but you, you don't do that if you're suspicious, if you don't have confidence in a doctor, and when you don't have confidence in a doctor, one of the ways in which you say that is, uh, well, before I trust you, let me see you heal yourself, you know, physician, heal yourself, and and, and so it's an expression of, of doubt, uh, an expression where people say, I'm not sure I want to trust you, and that's what they're saying to Jesus. We're... We're excited, but we're not ready to trust you. And uh, so Jesus goes on to say to them uh, that uh, you will say to me, no, uh, assured, I say to you, assuredly, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And he reminds them how Elijah and Elisha were not well appreciated and that Elijah and Elisha uh, brought benefits to Widows uh, who weren't Israelites or a widow who wasn't an Israelite and to a a leper who wasn't an Israelite. In other words, the people who benefited from Elijah and Elisha weren't the Israelites, but were foreigners, were Gentiles. And well, this implication, the implication, of course, is that if if you're not going to trust me, And I'm going to take what I have and offer it to outsiders, to other people, not to you. And of course, this is uh, fulfilled even to the present day. The Jews rejected Jesus, many of them did, and were punished and destroyed. And now we are living in what the Scripture calls the age of the Gentiles, where the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, and some from every tongue and tribe and people and nation are being brought uh, to faith in Christ. This is a fulfillment of what Jesus is talking about here. Well, they understand what he's saying, and they don't like it. And they don't like it so much that they're ready to kill him, and they actually try to do so. The city is on a hill, and there's a cliff nearby, and they take him to the top of the hill to throw him off the cliff. He allows them to go so far so that their intentions and their attitude can be clearly displayed to all. But he would announce later on, no one takes my life from me involuntarily. I lay it down of my own, and that's not going to happen until the appointed time. It wasn't the appointed time. His hour had not yet come. And so they bring him to the point of the throwing him off the cliff and all of a sudden, he just walks away. <laughs> they are powerless to do to him what they want to do. Now, this this hatred is amazing, that it should be so intense, so soon, so early in his ministry. There's only one explanation for it, and that it is a an instance of the enmity that God announced between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. I will put enmity there. I will put hatred there. I will put a hatred that is so intense that you're going to want to kill each other. Satan's going to try to kill Jesus, and Jesus will kill Satan. That this is a life and death struggle. A struggle unto death is evident by the fact that these people from his hometown who know his father and mother, who know his brothers, they want to kill him. This is an indication of where everything is headed in the earthly ministry of Jesus. Luke is using this to say, not only has Jesus come to fulfill the prophecy of bringing good news to you who are oppressed by the guilt and power of sin, but Jesus has also come to be rejected and to die. Not here, not now, but at the appointed place and the appointed time, He has come to die. And how do these two things fit together, that Jesus has come to bring good news and Jesus has come to die? They fit together, of course, as the Lord's Supper manifests to us, that by His shed blood and by His broken body, we are fed and nourished unto eternal life. It is through His death a death which is an atoning sacrifice to pay for sin, to restore us to God, that we are saved. We are, the good news is that Christ has come to save us from sin and to save us from sin through his death for us. What a glorious message is summarized by Luke in this visit to Nazareth where Jesus announces His purpose for coming and shows us the means by which it will be fulfilled. As we come to the Lord's table today, let us do so remembering that He came to fulfill the year of Jubilee, to take away our guilt and to restore us to fellowship with God and that He comes to suffer and die to make that possible, to accomplish it for us. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus' visit to Nazareth, where he announced the purpose of his coming and showed us the means for accomplishment, foreshadowing his death on the cross. We pray, O oh Father, that as we come to the Lord's table, we may remember Jesus in this regard to, with uh, joy and gladness that he has taken away our guilt, that he is restoring us uh, to fellowship with you. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.